I remember from my time in Bible college back in the late 90s, one of the subjects we had to study was false cults. We looked at the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Seventh-day Adventists, and maybe a few others as well. Of course, if you were to take the same course today, it would need to be updated to include a few new additions. For example, the rainbow cult. Unless you've been living under a rock, you'll be aware that June is Pride Month. Isn't it bizarre that sodomites get a whole month while our brave soldiers only get one day in November? In Canada, a month isn't enough, so they have now decided to introduce what's called Pride Season. They used to have Pride Month, but that wasn't long enough. Now it's called Pride Season, and it lasts from June until September. At the UN headquarters in New York City, all 193 country flags have been replaced with the LGBT flag. Go to any major city at this time of year and the pride flag is everywhere. It flutters from virtually every building. You could be forgiven for thinking that we've been conquered by an invading army that has proceeded to put a flag in every nook and cranny that they can find. Every bank, corporation, supermarket and celebrity Twitter account has had a rainbow makeover. But thankfully there is now a growing backlash against the LGBT lobby. And we all know of course what pride comes before. Tonight however it's not the rainbow cult that I want to think about. Maybe we will consider it. On another occasion, but tonight I want to speak about another cult. It's called the climate change cult, or just the climate cult. And it is a cult, and I hope that by the end of tonight's study that you'll understand why we call it a cult. So, what are the marks of this modern day cult, this climate cult? Well, the first mark is the worship of creation. Another word for that is pantheism. Paul describes this mark in Romans chapter 1 verse 25. He says, they worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. This is the first mark of the climate change cult. You see folks, to members of this cult or religion, sin is not something done against God but against the planet. I want you to grasp that tonight. Let me repeat it. Sin is not something done against God. Rather, it is done against the planet. That's why you have the ridiculous spectacle of people confessing their sins to plants. Yes, you heard me right. This actually happened in 2019 at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. The seminary tweeted, 
Today in chapel, we confessed to plants. Together we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt and sorrow in prayer. Offering them to the beings who sustain us, but whose gift we too often fail to honour. In October 2021, the United Nations Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, or COP26 as it was known, they made booths available for people to confess their climate sins. Yes, again, you heard me right, climate sins. But folks, let's turn away from this nonsense and let's get back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about confessing your sin? Well, obviously, it is clear on the matter and you don't confess your sins to plants. You see, ultimately, sin is against God. Despite what the climate change cult would tell us, we know that sin is ultimately against God. You just have to turn to Psalm 119 verse 11, and I'm sure we all know it, we've all heard it. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. That I might not sin against thee. Sin is against God, it's not against the wee plants. David in Psalm 51 verse 4, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. You move into the New Testament, what about the prodigal son? Whenever he returned from the far country, listen to what he said. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven. He didn't say, I have sinned against the plants, nor did he say, I have sinned against the planet. No, he said, I have sinned against heaven. You see, sin must be confessed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not saved tonight, you need to confess your sin to him. As our forefathers would put it, there is no priest but Christ, and there is no confessional but the throne of grace. We have the wonderful promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder, have you ever confessed your sins to Christ? Members of the climate change cult view the earth as a living organism and see mankind as an infection upon it. But the reality is that man is not an infection. Rather, he is the pinnacle of God's creation. The human body is a masterpiece of engineering. With its 206 bones providing a framework for its 639 muscles... To move with incredible split-second timing. In every 24-hour period, the average person swallows about 2,000 times. Our heart beats over 100,000 times, 
causing blood to travel 168 million miles around our body. We take 23,800 breaths per day to bring 438 cubic feet of air into our lungs. The human brain with its 16 billion neurons and nerve impulses flashing along at 300 miles per hour is the most complex arrangement of matter anywhere in the universe. The stomach is another amazing organ, dissolving the food we eat, yet not dissolving itself. A remarkable fact, considering the acid in your stomach would remove the varnish of a kitchen table in seconds. One could spend a lifetime studying a single organ or organ system, and many people do. That's why you have cardiologists Hematologists, urologists, gynecologists, neurologists, and oncologists. We are indeed, folks, as the psalm states, fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. But we are not to be worshipped. Paul, in Romans chapter 1 He warns against the worship of creation, the worship of the creature. No, the only one who is entitled and deserving of our worship tonight is the one who has created us. And we are created to bring glory to him and to enjoy him forever. So that's the first mark of the climate change cult, the worship of creation. Let me give you another mark of this cult. This cult is built upon a mountain of lies. It is a cult of deception. We could talk tonight about the Arctic. Climate alarmists predicted that by the year 2013, the Arctic would warm up so quickly that the region's ice cover in summer would vanish completely, decades earlier than some had predicted. All the sea ice cover in the Arctic would have disappeared by 2013. Well, the reality is, of course, that just hasn't happened. What about the Antarctic? Well, it was predicted that 20 trillion tons of ice would disappear between 2009 and 2019. Did it happen? Not a bit of it. The truth of the matter is that the Antarctic actually gained 661 billion tons of ice. Another favourite topic of the climate change cult is the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Climate alarmists have been saying for decades that the reef is on the edge of collapse. Choose coral, not coal, is the mantra of the climate change cult. Choose coral, not coal. Well, what about the Great Barrier Reef? What's the truth? Well, the reef has just recorded a year of record growth. Vast sections of the Great Barrier Reef are defying every forecast 
of impending doom made over the past 30 years. Coral cover on two-thirds of the iconic reef has reached its highest level since records began 36 years ago, according to marine scientists monitoring the ecosystem. So, folks, can you see that this cult is built on a mountain of lies? Like all the cults, every cult is the same, built on lies. Problem is that the average Christian just believes what they hear on the television or on the radio or what they read on the internet, and they don't bother to do their own research. It's amazing just to think about the ocean for a moment. Did you know that there are little organisms in the ocean called microbes, and they eat the plastic in the ocean? You didn't hear that in the mainstream media. You didn't hear that from the climate change cult. The Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the ocean, has created these little microbes in the ocean that actually get rid of the plastic. No, you see, the climate change cult is a cult that deals in lies, not in the truth. Isaiah 45, verse 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So the marks of the climate change cult, the worship of creation or pantheism, It's built upon a mountain of lies. Let me give you a third and final mark of this cult. Suppression of the truth. Suppression of the truth. We read of that, of course, in Romans 1.18. The apostle, he speaks there of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And that word hold, it means to suppress Suppress. So these people Paul is describing suppress the truth. They keep it hidden. They don't want people to know it. And that's a mark of the climate religion or the climate cult. It's the mark of every false religion, every false cult. We could speak tonight about the truth of CO2. We're told that CO2 is going to warm up this planet to such an extent that it's going to be destroyed. The planet is going to be destroyed because man, by his activities, has caused so much CO2 to be emitted. But the reality is, of course, that CO2 is nature's gift. CO2, in fact, is God's gift to creation. The truth of the matter is that CO2 is essential to life on earth. More CO2 means more food, more vegetation, more forests. CO2 is not a pollutant, but rather it is life-giving. CO2 is absorbed by the trees. And then, of course, we all know that the trees produce Oxygen. It's called photosynthesis. 
But you know, folks, tonight I think about another tree. And on that tree, a great miracle took place. When the trees take in the carbon dioxide and they give out the oxygen, you have to say it is a miracle. It's a miracle of nature, a miracle of in our natural world. But the greatest miracle tonight is the miracle that took place at the tree of Calvary. And we read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. At the tree of Calvary, the Lord Jesus took our sin. He took it upon himself. As we're told in Isaiah 53, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the great miracle takes place at Calvary. Jesus takes our sin. But then he gives us something wonderful in its place. And it's his righteousness. His perfect spotless righteousness. The perfect spotless righteousness that you have tonight. If you're saved that I have tonight because I'm saved. And this righteousness will never fade. It's not like a garment that... Or an item of clothing that you buy in a shop. And after a certain length of time, you're going to have to um, replace it. You're going to have to give it to the charity shop. No, the robe of Christ is ever new, as the hymn writer puts it. And this is what he offers to you tonight, if you're not saved. All thy sins were laid upon him. Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them, led them on him, and believing, thou art free.